It's Sunday. And you know what that means? Monday is tomorrow. And I love starting up, I love starting up the week. And then my favorite day comes on Tuesday. You want to know why Tuesday is one of my most favorite days? It's not really Sunday, right? Sunday's church, and we all gotta, we gotta go to church, right? <sighs> and then there's Monday, and Monday we go back to school, we go back to work, whatever. But Tuesday is my favorite. Monday night's pretty awesome too. You want to know why Monday night's really awesome? Because that's when I get to prepare the trash to go out. And Tuesday is trash day. Anybody love trash day? Is it your most favorite day of the week or is it just me? Nobody loves trash day. See, in this part of town, it's Tuesday. Tuesday morning, man, it's like Christmas. You, you get to hear the trucks. Right, and they're loading up, and there's the guys on the back, and I always wanted to be a trash man, right on the back of the trash truck, you know, I always thought that would be so cool, until you actually smell the trash truck, and then it's not as cool anymore, but it's just this neat thing to know that trash gets picked up from the front of your driveway, or your house, or wherever, and it gets taken up. And what happens to it? It gets thrown into the back end of a truck. It gets carried away forever. Whoa! Sorry. I get excited. I sound like you. I sound like you. I get excited when I think about trash. You know, do y'all see why? Do you see why? I hope you saw the gospel in that, right? Yeah, because that's ultimately what happens to us in the gospel. And we're called to get the trash out of our lives, get it to the corner, and Jesus takes it away, and it is gone forever. It's church. I want you to start looking at trash day like it's a church experience. And that's, some of y'all are going to be like watching that trash truck, I hope, this week. You'll be like, yeah, take it all. Take it all. I don't want any of it left. Because have you ever taken trash out, and you left it by the side of the road, and there was something there that you weren't supposed to put by the side of the road, and you come home later, and it's still laying there? Ooh. That ever happened to anybody? It's happened in the Campanelli house once. Yeah, we had something out there. I don't remember what it was. But the trash trucks ran, and it comes back, and I got home, and I was like, why is that still there? That should not be. I don't want my trash. I wanted it gone. Now what do I have to do with it? I gotta lug it from the from the edge of the road all the way back down that short little driveway. <laughs> Made it sound wrong. And then I gotta put it back where I had stored it all that week. It's all that extra baggage. Anyway, today we're gonna be looking at taking out the trash in our lives and in our worship as believers. So if you're not a believer this morning, there's some trash in your life that God is willing to get rid of. But if you are a believer, which most of you probably are, I want to encourage you to have, to have victory on trash day. All right? I want you all to be celebrating with me. Look for those trash trucks. Follow them around town and think of how great God is. And cheer those guys on and be like, man, y'all are setting some people free from their trash. Because ultimately, that's what God calls us to do. Now, we're going to be in the, in the uh, book of Second Chronicles. We're going to be in chapter 
29. 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Make sure I got it in my Bible. All right. And we're going to go through the first 11 verses. Chapter 29, 2 Chronicles. We're going to jump in. Here's what the Bible says. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old. And he reigned his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square and said to them, Hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from this holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him, have turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him. They have also shut up the doors of the vestibule and put out the lamps that have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the Lord God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord fell upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he has given them up to trouble, to desolation, and to jeering, as you see with your eyes. For indeed, because of this, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons, our daughters, and our wives are in captivity. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons... Do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that you should minister to him and burn incense. Let's pray. Father, may we understand the call that is on each of us, that is on our lives from you. You've chosen us, every believer, to be your royal priesthood to fulfill your great commission, Father, whether it's local or whether it's on the other side of the world, whether it's in person or whether it's online. Father, we ask that you will call us, challenge us, equip us and lead us to further your kingdom. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, Hezekiah, 25 years old, comes into the kingdom. Right? Did not have did not have a great childhood growing up. He didn't grow up in church and go to all the VBSs. No, he didn't. But Hezekiah, Hezekiah was a guy who realized that the Lord needed to be exalted in their life. 25 years old. That's kind of young to have a king, right? Imagine having a president in our nation that's 25 years old. How old do you have to be to be a president in the United States? Anyone know? 35 years old. 35 years old. You got to be to be president. Here's a guy, 25 years old. He comes in. Now, he wasn't even the youngest king of Israel or Judah. There were guys younger than him. But he comes in 25. And you know there's a lot of guys looking around who are a little longer in the tooth going, what's this kid know? He doesn't know what we need. Now, I'm going to tell you also the context of the situation. The nation was not in a good position. There were enemies all around. There were enemies actually in control and and all kinds of stuff. And here's King Hezekiah, kind of a puppet king 
because of these other nations around them just squeezing them. So here you have a young guy, enemies outside, enemies growing within because they weren't all about this new young rookie coming in and doing some stuff. But Hezekiah is going to be one of the more godly kings that, that they are going to have. And I want you to realize two things that this Hezekiah was. He was right and he was uptight. All right. So if you can remember anything about the character of Hezekiah, remember that he was right in the Lord's eyes and he was uptight with the things going on around him. Have you ever been uptight with stuff going on around you where, is this good? I don't know if this is good or not. We're going to have to fix this. Because when you realize that there's something going wrong and you need to get it fixed, you get a little uptight about it. So we're going to look at how he was right in the Lord's eyes and uptight about what was going on around him. So in his reign, I want you to understand this. The Bible shows us right there. It was the first year of his reign in the first month he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. It was in ruins because of all the stuff that had taken place earlier. Pagans were honored there. Stuff was trashed there, stolen there, burnt there. It was not a good situation for the temple. Hezekiah comes in, first month, one of the first things he commits to action is let's get the temple taken care of mm -mm, mm -mm, mm. a lot of times people would have come in around him or like him and said you know what we need to we need to establish better roads to get the people to like us better and to get trade better and we need to establish this that or whatever because Politically, I've made promises to other people or I'm being advised to go in other directions. But what does he do? Let's get it right with God first. That's what you need to understand in your own life. There are things going on around you that don't necessarily matter if things aren't right between you and him. If that vertical relationship isn't right with you, it doesn't matter about all the other relationships in your life. Get things right between you and God first. That is the first thing he tackles, and he reopens the temple. He reopens the doors, and he's got to meet with the folks who are going to be in charge of the temple. So what's he do? He calls together a leadership meeting with the Levites and the priests and all the people who were responsible by... You know, the old Mosaic law, they were the guys who were going to be in charge of what was going to take place in the temple. Worship. So he gets them together. And what's he say to them? He's going to set them straight. He's going to set them straight on what to do. And look at what it says up there. He says, hear me, Levites, sanctify yourselves. Let's just stop right there. Sanctify yourselves. How often do we realize that, man, I don't like what's going on in my life with God, with other people in my life. I'm hanging around some ungodly people and I really wish they would quit sinning. 
But what's Jesus say? Get, get the plank out of your own eye before you go and try to operate on someone else's, right? So right here, he tells the Levites, hey, go and sanctify yourself. You got to handle that before you can handle any other situation within church. I love when people come to me within churches and say, oh, preacher, I got a concern about something. This is bothering me. I'm really nervous about this. Oh, I don't know about this. And I want to say, okay, is it unbiblical? Because if it's unbiblical, let's tackle it right now. If it's not, then let's work on that within first. Are there any other issues within that we need to address before you start worrying about what's going on there? Imagine if these Levites went in with bad attitudes about fixing up the temple. Would the temple ever get reestablished and would worship which they would be leading? Would that be of a pure heart? Not if they were carrying sin, not if they were carrying bitterness, not if they were carrying all this other baggage into worship with them, and they just kind of be like, well, we're just going through the motions again. And isn't that what we do in our world today? So many people, some of y'all today in here, probably just going through the motions because it's a Sunday, and it's what I'm supposed to do. And isn't this a glorious day that the Lord has made? Let us rejoice and be glad in it, because that's what I'm supposed to say. Yet your heart is far from them. Your heart is far from God, and you're like, Lord, there's 15 other things I'd like to be doing today because it's nice. I need to take care of this. I'd like to go fishing one more time before it starts getting, I want to do this, I want to do that. We honor God with our lips, but our hearts are far from them oftentimes. But Hezekiah is calling these guys out. Go and sanctify yourselves. And then, what's he tell him? Sanctify the house of the Lord your God, the God of your fathers, and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Wow! Carry out the rubbish from the holy place, y'all. What rubbish is within the church today? I mean, look around you. Is there anything that's a distraction to you? Is this the, is this the temple, Right? Most people consider this room that we're in the house of the Lord. They don't really consider the gym the house of the Lord. They don't consider the upstairs bathroom the house of the Lord. They don't consider the offices the house of the Lord, the assembly room the house of the Lord. They don't consider a lot of other stuff the house of the Lord. Only this room. And I don't understand that. Now, the house of the Lord biblically is none of that. The house of the Lord isn't the piano, it's not the steps, it's not the pews, it's not the balcony, it's not. The temple of the Lord is you, the believer. So there is nothing in this room that is sacred, and let me repeat that and emphasize that. There is nothing in this room that is sacred. There's nothing about this building that is sacred. You ready? I'm going to offend some of y'all. If I took a sledgehammer, and smashed the table of remembrance. Some of y'all would not be back. I'm not coming back until they fire that preacher. He don't know who made that table. I've, I've heard stories where pastors took down plaques off of the wall and relocated them somewhere else and got fired because of it because well, that's our temple and we control that thing. He was like, I'm just trying to make room so we can put something else there. 
If the pulpit was smashed, if the piano was smashed, what would happen? Nothing. Because this that we are in is not the house of the Lord. It is not the temple of God. The believer is. You are. And you know what we are called to do? Oh, yeah. Remove the rubbish. It's trash day. It's Tuesday. It's your trash day maybe Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. But it's trash day to sanctify yourself. And it's time to get all the junk that has been stored up there and get it out by the street because the garbage truck is coming. Beep, beep, beep. I can hear it in the neighborhood. I can hear the as it crushes trash. I love that. I can hear that. We read the Bible and we know that the Lord is coming back one day. Beep, beep. And he's coming back and he's going to take care of the trash and he's going to right the wrongs. And he already took out the trash at the cross. He took your sin. He became your sin. It was nailed to the cross and God poured out his wrath and judgment on your sin on Jesus instead of you. He says, take out the trash. What in your life is the trash that needs to be brought out? Is it habits that are ungodly pulling you away from God? Because I could name about 15 different habits that pull people away from God that people struggle with within this room. Whether it be gossip, whether it be porn, whether it be pills, whether it be drinking, whether it be attitudes of bitterness, whether it be attitudes of, of judgment or of greed. I mean, I could give you all sorts of stuff, and I kind of just did. And that's what people in West Carroll struggle with indifference and apathy. When we don't take out the trash in our own house and we make up some fictional make-believe house and we're more worried about the make-believe house that doesn't matter to God and we're more concerned about cleaning that up and cleaning up appearances on that rather than the soul and the spirit and the heart of a person, then we're in bad territory. We're in territory that is pre-Hezekiah. So what does Hezekiah do? Y'all get together, sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the temple. We're going to purify it. We're going to give burnt offerings to God. And we are going to take all of the stuff out from the holy place. In verse 10, he says, we see that it was because of the fathers. Now the fathers thought they were doing okay. Here's where the problem with the fathers. And then I'll get into verse 10. The fathers for years had run church like a business rather than a place of worship. The temple was run like a business. They brought other stuff in that would make people, you know, realize, hey, this is more popular. We can get, we can make things better by doing certain things. And then what did they do? 
they started involving and bringing in pagan rituals into the temple. Mm, in a place that was in ruins. And the pagans kind of used it. Churches are a place for saints. Not, not pagans. But the saints that come have got to realize... I come to worship God in spirit and in truth and to take that out with me so that I can be effective in leading the pagans closer to Christ. Now, we look and we see that the fathers had invited all sorts of stuff in. Stuff that became idols within the church. Maybe it was a pulpit. Maybe it was a remembrance table. Or maybe it was the screen that my great-grandfather Bobby hung. Whatever. It's not about the building. It's about the heart of the believers that is the temple. So now, takes that out. He says in verse 10, It's in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. Is it in your heart to make a covenant, a contract with God to say, I want to be holy. I crave holiness in my life and I don't want to dishonor you. I want to follow you. I want to go with you wherever you are and I know your presence will never leave me nor forsake me and I love that and I want to please you and this is my name on this contract saying, I want you more than anything else. There's nothing better than him. Is that the covenant that you can make with God? Or is the covenant you make with God subjective to what he's doing for you in your life? Lord, give me this and I'll, I'll do that for you. Lord, give me this and I'll do this for you. Or is it, Lord, I lay down my life, it's a blank check, here I am, spend me how you want to. He goes on, and we'll wrap this up here. I want you to understand that, take this away, Hezekiah didn't wait to start the project. He set everybody straight on the project. And then... Sorry, I don't have anything that rhymes here. He said, we're going to get after it with fervency and take care of it because it's not going to wait. Verse 17 says, Now they began to sanctify on the first day of the month, and on the eighth day of the month they came to the vestibule of the Lord, so they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days, and on the 16th day of the first month, they finished. 16 days is what it took them to do the entire temple. Then they went to King Hezekiah, and they said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord, the altar of the burnt offerings with its articles, and the table of the showbread with all its articles, and moreover, all the articles which King Ahaz in his reign cast aside in his transgression, we have prepared and sanctified, and there they are before the altar of the Lord. They didn't wait. 
They got set straight and they went to work immediately. Some of you will procrastinate when it comes to ministry in your life. Now, last week we looked at Moses in the burning bush and we said, hey, no excuses. Excuses are for people who want a way out. You've been called into ministry to be a royal priesthood to the nations, starting in your own. Are you going to find the excuses continually that I talked about last week? Or are you going to say, hey, I want to go the Hezekiah route. I want to go and I want to prepare my heart. I want to prepare my body. I want to prepare my mind to do what you have called me to do. And I'm going to be serious about it. And I'm going to get started on it today. Now. Because oftentimes it sounds great and you can leave here from church and go, man, Campanelli was fired up this morning. Dude, he's going to get everybody moving and shaking. But three hours from now, you're going to take a nap, you're going to wake up, and you're not even going to remember what I was talking about this morning. I mean, let's be real. But some of you will have that little seed planted in you. And after your nap, maybe tomorrow, maybe maybe on Tuesday when my trash is getting taken out and I'm pumped up, you're going to be going, huh. What do I need to do? What do I need to get active in? What do I need to start right now? I'm going to tell y'all what. This is me telling you, using my pastoral authority. I want a hundred boxes. A hundred of these boxes on this side. This is the full side. This is the empty side. If you haven't gotten a box today, we're going to have more next week. And you can get some. And I know we got a bunch out and I'm proud of y'all for taking them right now. But let's go ahead and reach one box per 11 to reach 11 people. Let's go ahead and do that. Is there someone in here that don't have 10 bucks to spend? 20 bucks to fill a box maybe? If you don't, I'll get you the money. All right? I will give you 20 bucks so you can fill up a box. Nikki's like, oh no, Tony, shut up. But get it done. There is no excuse for us who all have toothbrushes. Well, most of y'all, most of y'all. We all have toothbrushes. There is not a reason you can't work toward this ministry and help meet that goal. There is not a reason for you to call, not to call, to answer the call of God on your life for whatever specific ministry he is calling you to do. I gave you a generic one, fill the box. God's calling you to a specific one. Maybe it's joining up with someone else. But how do you start? You start now, and you start by taking out your trash. So I want to see y'all this week unloading the stuff that's been under your bed for months, the clothes that you haven't worn in 17 years that are still hanging in your closet or in a trash bag waiting to go to the Karen Hope ministry or or one of those things, get that out. It's time to clean up the temple of the Lord and for you to get after it because he's got a plan 
and a purpose to use you. And there's someone waiting on the other side of your obedience.